Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. I want to continue today and be obedient and continue with this uh, with, with, with everything, with our series of, of the teachings here of everything, to be honest with you, it's, it's, sometimes we do this and we do like a, what we would call like a series of, um, series of messages. And what we don't notice is that it's not necessarily just a series of messages. I don't know if you've caught this already at our church, but it's not necessarily a series of messages, but it's a continual conversation that happens even outside of Sunday. If you were here for more yesterday, there is no way to describe what happened in more yesterday if it wasn't a part of the series of everything. It's not recorded. You can't go and grab it. You could just take notes from someone else's notes that was here. But we want to keep it that way for those people, those special people. I'm not saying that the rest of you are not special. I just believe that there's something specifically special <laughs> with, with these individuals. Not all of you are special, though. Uh, people that are making ways in their schedule and in their calendars to once a month to pause what they're doing and to come and come under the word and come under each other's pr- come under the presence of the Lord together and talk and, and see what, what God is calling us to more. And yesterday we had a moment where we spoke. It wasn't anything to do with everything, but it had everything to do with everything. Because it's a continual conversation that the Lord allows us to have. You know, when God is speaking to us, um, God is speaking, we start to recognize a very similar word when we get together. And I just think that's the beauty of God's goodness, of his sovereignty. Sometimes I'll get a text message, a phone call, or a yeah, text with a specific preaching or a clip of it or a picture of it and say, look at this, exactly what we shared today or exactly what we've been going over. And then it's from another part of the world or another part of our country. And, and we just bask in that because we're, we're like, wow. This is so much bigger than just us. God is speaking to his whole body. And we see that amongst each other's, that when we do a series of messages, it's not just what happens here on Sundays, but it's continual conversations. It's conversations that me and Lou were having yesterday, like at 9.30, 10 o'clock at night through text. It continued. We were having a series of everything through text. It's a, conver- it's, a, it's, a, it's a conversation that we, were, we, we broke in the midst of more and we started talking to a couple of guys. It's just conversations that continue and it's beautiful because what it is is it's what God is speaking to his body. And we continue to have conversations like that. I, I really hope that when we come together, I was actually very happy and rejoicing in my soul and my, my spirit, right, to actually be here today. I, I hope that you don't take this lightly, the ability to come together before the presence of God with other brothers and sisters. I really hope that you don't. If you do take that lightly and for granted, I pray that you, I, I ask that you would start praying into that and recognize the weight and the honor that it is to be able to have people um, alongside you that you could come and worship in the presence of the Lord with and sit under his word. It's a very honorable thing to be a part of and um, that many Many, we are, we, are very, uh, we are part of a very minimal group here, but many risk their lives for something like this. For something that we may take lightly, 
many risked their lives to have. They have to hide in a living room of someone's house. Because if they get found, if they get caught, they can be killed. And yet, we have one booger that drips from the left nostril. And we don't make it to church. We take this stuff lightly sometimes. I hope that it's not, this is not just about having attendance. It's about what you're part of. I really hope you don't take this stuff lightly. There's people all over the world that will come up here and say, you don't know what you have when you have it. We crave for this. And you might be sitting here like, I'm just dying to get out of here and bounce to the next church. This is the reality of what's happening all over the world. There's a people that look at this and say, you're lucky, you're blessed, and you should live in honor that you have something like this. I'm not telling you to compare it to others, but you should just be, and, 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 and for me, I came with that attitude today. Like, I'm going to a place that I honor. Because it's not the four walls, but there's going to be people that I worship that are going to be leading worship, and I honor every single one of them. There's going to be people that I hug, and I'm going to honor every single one of them. There are people right now that are teaching our kids, and I can't believe this. I honor every single one of them. And there are people, like, think about that today. We said, hey, this sister needs prayer. The whole almost, I think it was like 98.6% of the church came together and prayed over her. And, I, and that's, the, that's the attitude we came today with. Wow. That people would come and pray for someone that needs prayer. And, we're gonna, and there's people in this church that we could just honor. We should honor each other. One person does not deserve the honor here only. You're all sons and daughters of God who are living under the worthiness that is found in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Everything, part two. Amen? Write this down in your notes if you may. And uh, this is today's message. It's titled this, Give. Check this out. This is fun. Give what you can't afford. Give what you can't afford. I know. When I wrote it, I said, God, why am I writing this? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Give what you can't afford. Give what you do. Maybe I should just get right into it. And the heck with my notes. I'll just bounce around and make Rudy's life miserable today. But, but um, um, so I started to think about this. Ready? I have to give what I can't afford. So I can't afford for my children to raise up in a home and raise up under a dad and a mom. I can't, I can't afford for my child to, to grow of age and not know encounters and, and know the Lord. Um, it's something I can't afford. I can't afford my son and my daughter to go left when the family is choosing to go forward. I can't, I can't afford that. So I need to what? Give what I can't afford. I can't, I can't, I can't afford, I, I can't afford for, for my life to continue to go into a dark place and, and I can't allow my mind to continue to have the best of me and I can't allow my everything to come to a place where it's even difficult for me to breathe and there's darkness that sometimes seems to surround me and I can't afford to continue to live another year with the same situation happening to me and to my mind and to my struggles. I can't, so I need to give into what I can't afford this year. So what is God calling me to give? 
because I can't afford those things anymore in my life. God's calling me for so much more. How many of you believe that? I said to the group yesterday, I said, when we get together and we call ourselves a gang of more, I said more is not necessarily just about finding, about finding ways to do things differently. More is about just living in the place where it's more of him. It's not about, hey, let's get together and create things that are different. No, let's get together and let's figure out what more of God looks like. I believe that for our church, amen? We can't afford, give what you can't afford. We can't afford to go another year and his presence not be a priority in our lives. How many of you, I'm going to ask questions. I should have gone down there today because I kind of wanted to ask and put people on the spot and stuff and just talk, have conversations, but maybe we'll do it from here. But how many of us can really relate to this and say, I have lived my life not giving his presence a priority over me? Well, that stuff, you can't afford that anymore. I said this yesterday. I'm going to read it. It says, in which presence is something that we can do casually together, like we just did. We could do it as an institution or in a weekend uh, for 45 minutes to an hour. And then we leave from here. Listen to this now. And we leave from here to then be satisfied with daily devotionals. To hold us together until we meet again. We can't afford that anymore in our lives. You know, where we then, uh, and again, everything that I say, I'm, I'm, I promise you this, I'm talking to myself. I'm not picking on any of you. If you figured that this is picking on you, maybe it's God. <laughs> and that's to do with me. I'm just talking to myself because these are things that I could relate to and God's spoken to me in the past about. To then be satisfied after we've come to a place and casually worship together for 45 minutes to an hour to then be satisfied with daily devotionals to hold us together until we meet again. Where then, I said, where we copy and paste these devotionals or these scriptures on social media. We live in a social media age. And sometimes we fool even ourselves with what we put on social media. And we do some of these things to check in with people, to let them know that, hey, look at me, I'm seeking God, I'm doing my due diligence, and so on. This is what us Christians do. But that presence, instead of all of that, I'm not saying that any of that is necessarily bad, but if the root is, then of course it is. But that the presence would finally become what we shared last week, what wrecks us. Where we'd consciously be in presence, not because an institution or a corporate body is cheering you to or telling you to, listen, but that you have figured and experienced there is no, that there is no greater joy and purpose in your life than to have presence in every moment of it. <laughs> the truth is some of us are really going through some very difficult things. Some of us are really going through some hardships in our lives. But I want you to really pause here as we do life here together for a moment and we read some scripture together today and we share some thoughts here today. And I want you to answer this and you need to answer this seriously to yourselves. And if you ever want to stand up and begin to confess and declare, <laughs> feel free, we're in family here. But I want you to answer this seriously. Has busyness, have you found where maybe busyness has separated you from what we're talking about here today? Has busyness separated you? Maybe it's work that has separated you. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's friends. Maybe it's television. 
maybe it is social media, whatever it is, have you seen where there's been things in your life where you've recognized, oh man, these stuff, these things are seriously uh, uh, hindering me from a place in his presence where I could live in. Because I've been giving so much time to it and less time to him. And it, would ha- what it has become something that was created for your good has actually been made bad because what it's done is rather than creating more of God in you, it's become a distraction and it's separated you. And it's something that what we would call is it is numbing you to the things of God. So what happens is we're so numb of everything that we've just done this week that it's hard and it takes us on the 44th minute when we're about to end worship on the 45th minute, on the 44th minute to finally break and to finally sing the song to the place where you know that God wants you to sing it. And there's, no, there's nothing else or no one else to blame that you began to worship at the place that you began to worship on the 44th minute rather than on, than on the negative 44 minute, meaning on the drive over here should have been already happening. And all of that is because you've allowed distractions and things in your life that you've put in there and they've numbed you so you can't even offer the proper worship and praise that the Lord deserves as we get together as brothers and sisters. Not knowing that the Lord is worthy of all that honor, praise and worship, but also there might be someone sitting right alongside of you that needed for you to release the greatest worship from deep within your spirit. But what happens was... Instead of this whole week, I only read the Bible for two minutes every single morning. Then I copied and pasted and put it up. I let everyone know that I'm still a Christian. And what I forgot to do was I spent hours on social media rather than hours in his word. And what happens is, is the, 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 the picture, uh, the, 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 what the, the gospel of, of social media is what you're receiving. Rather than the gospel of God. And, 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 and the last thing that we want to do as we go forth as a church is, is Lord, I, I'm going to speak to myself and, and forgive me if I just take this whole message for myself. Trust me, as I was typing this, um, I was holding in tears. But this, Lord, I can't afford to go a year being numb to your word, numb to worship, numb to prayer, and numb when I get alongside other people that should be on fire as well. I can't be numbed. Seriously answer this for yourself. Are you, have you been numbed? I'm not saying that because you're numbed, you're going to hell. I'll never tell you that. But I will say because you're numb, you're not inheriting and you're not receiving some great things on earth that you could be receiving and inheriting today. So there's so many things that you might be missing out on because you're numb. I'm not trying to tell you that, hey, if you don't get out of your numbness, you're going to burn in hell. We're, not, we, we're past that like, we're, we're past that false gospel already. We used to do that to manipulate right, and control people, but we're, we're past that. Like, you're not going to go to hell because you're numb, but you're not experiencing all of heaven because of your numb. And that should mean the world to you, that I should want to experience more of heaven. This is just kind of where I'm at. I had a great week this week with the Lord. The church of Laodicea, Christ is warning them about their numbness. The word numb means this. I shared this. Forgive me more for uh, repetition, but it means to deprive. It's a deprivation. It's to be deprived. 
And that's what numb is. Can you imagine being deprived of the things of God, deprived of his kingdom, deprived of the goodness of the Lord, deprived of his word? It means to be deprived. And, and yes, when we talk about numbness, we talk about deprived of feeling or responsiveness without feeling. And those are other definitions of numbness. But, but it's deprivation. It's to be deprived. And in Revelation chapter 3, we know that there, there's letters written and Christ is speaking to all the churches. And we know that stuff in this part of the book of um, the unveiling of, of Jesus Christ in Revelation. But as he begins to unveil in Revelation, as he begins to unveil, he says this in verse 15, 16, and 17 of chapter 3. He says, I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, this is so crazy that Jesus would say something like this. I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I'm rich and you have you become wealthy and you have need of nothing. And you do, not, you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. The Greek word here for lukewarm, verse 16, it says, So then because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. The word there for lukewarm in the Greek when you look it up, it's the word that we, it's, it's another definitional word in which we could get the word tepid. And it's tepid, the word tepid is to be wretchedly fluctuating between lethargy, lethargy and fervor. It's where we are just, what, when, when someone is lethargic, they're without energy. When someone's with, uh, filled with uh, lethargy, they're without enthusiasm. The word lukewarm is someone that is, 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 is at a place where it's not just filled with uh, lethargy but and fervor but there's somewhere right in between they have no fervor the word fervor means intense and passionate feeling so when he says you're lukewarm in that greek it's tepid it's just this this middle water it's this room temperature between being lethargic and having fervor uh, 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 having a lack of energy so it still means you have some sort of energy because you still get up and you do what you have to do but yet you're not fully intense and passionate about what's happening there. <laughs> you guys seen this? So Jesus calls this group of individuals here because you're lukewarm. You're not on that side or on this side. So I'm not even speaking today specifically to the individual who's lethargic. I'm not even speaking to that person, but I'm saying that if you're somewhere in the middle, like, no, I still got some energy. I still do some stuff. But you, you have a mixture. You, you, you've mixed up lethargy and fervor in a blender, and that's who you are. You're like, I have some energy, but yet I'm not fully intense and passionate about this stuff. Uh, that's the place of lukewarm in which Christ is talking about. It's almost a place where we could say, well, it's a place of numbness. And, and I started to think about this because Isaiah chapter 61, the prophet does something very interesting, something that I like to read this week. And it's almost as if he's at a place where he's making an exchange with God. And, and this passage, when you read all of chapter 61, for the sake of time, I won't read it all today, but you're more welcome to do that more than welcome to do that when you get home or throughout the week. But I want to read verse 3 for a moment because in this messianic prophecy, this word that is speaking about the Christ that is to come, 
Isaiah is speaking also about this exchange. That, 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 that is, look what he says. He says in verse 3, To console those who mourn, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. The, the prophet, okay, so wait a minute. The question that you should be asking as we're reading Isaiah 61 is this. What in the world is Isaiah talking about? Isaiah is speaking about this stuff can happen once the Messiah begins to operate on earth. So it's a messianic prophecy. Jesus will fulfill this. Jesus will accomplish this. Accomplish and fulfill what? This. That he could console me if I'm in mourning. It's, it can happen through Christ. That through Christ, I could receive beauty and I could release my ashes. That in Christ, I could, I could receive oil of joy and he could receive my mourning. Seriously. If you don't believe that, what was the cross for? The cross was for your what? The cross was for your mourning and for your ashes and for, look at the next one, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The cross and the resurrection was to exchange the garment of praise for your spirit of heaviness. Wow. Isaiah 61 is this stuff can happen. This exchange between me and the Lord can take place. And it's happening in the fulfillment, in the person, in the wholeness of who is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Yes? So, so what happens is we exchange mourning for all of joy, spirit of heaviness for garments of praise. And he comforts our mourning and he gives us beauty for the ashes. And then what happens to the believer that is now living in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Anyone know the answer? I'll take your silence as tell me. He says, they then become what? Called trees of righteousness. The word righteousness means what? Right. He makes wrong right in Jesus. So all my wrong has now turned into right because I now, how many times have we preached this here? We've become the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. So because of this messianic prophecy, everything that was wrong in the presence of the Lord, in the person of Jesus, becomes right. And now this man who was mourning, who was ashes, and who was the spirit of heaviness, now becomes a tree of righteousness. Get close to the tree and there's fruit that you could eat from. It's a tree of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. I love that, right? Oh, wait. And it's all glory to the Lord, by the way. It's all about him. It's all for his honor and for his glory. What's the next part say? The planting of the Lord. Why now do I become a tree of righteousness? So that the Lord may be glorified. <laughs> I love it. The word of God is beautiful. So that the word... I mean, so that the Lord may be glorified. 
Man, that's so heavy. So I don't know if what this looks like, you know. I don't want to become distant. We're talking about everything here. I don't, I don't want to become distant with, listen, with the greatest, most important, most fulfilling and satisfying thing that I could have in my life. Last week we said everything goes, everything goes, but not just that everything goes. Has the word of the Lord, has the presence of the Lord become everything to you. Superior where all things become inferior before him. All things have to bow before the presence of the Lord. I'm talking about everything. Come on, give what you can't afford again. I can't afford to be, I can't afford to do, I can't afford to go that, I have, I have to give what I can't afford. Here's all of me this time, Lord. Amen? Uh, I, I want to I wanna ask you this for a moment. Um, what do you hear the Lord saying to you? Seriously, when, when I'm talking about this stuff, everything here today and yes, yesterday and through conversations and last week, what do you hear the Lord saying to you when we, when we throw the word out there, when we say this word, ready? Everything. What is the Lord saying to you? Anyone want to take a shot? Shoot. Everything, your will. What are you hearing from the Lord? Everything. Your whole spirit. Thank you, brother. Your whole spirit. Amen. Whole spirit. Anyone else? Everything. What are you hearing? I feel so distant. Talking about distance. Everything. Good and the bad. Your whole heart. Or is there something in your life that you know you're still carrying, holding on to, that, it's, that, that is the reason why you're going to continue to live in that numbness that you know that today God is saying everything. Get, out, get it out. Seriously, how many of you could voice that to the Lord right now? Some of you right now, maybe you feel ashamed to, uh, should I say it out loud? If you want, you can. But if you do not want to, you better say it out loud to him and just give it to him. Is there something there that if you continue just to hold on to it, you're going to continue to live numb. You're going to continue to live in the way. That, I'm not saying you're going to hell. Please don't ever twist what I'm trying to tell you is that you, oh, I'm condemning you all to hell. No, I'm encouraging you guys to the kingdom. I'm encouraging you guys to righteousness, what we just read in Isaiah 61. I'm actually encouraging you that there's more for you on earth that you don't have to wait to enter into heaven. But how are you going to receive heaven with the things that you're holding on to here on earth? So can you publicly say, I'm going to release this today before my brothers and sisters? And some of you guys are like, my wife is sitting next to me, so I can't say it out loud. My husband's sitting next to me, so I can't say it out loud. My good friend is here, and if he hears that, I don't know if they'll still be my friend if I say that out loud. But you know what? Who cares if you're going to win the kingdom? Trust me, when you receive that, they're going to be thankful in the long run that you did that. Because from you doing that, it's going to start to minister to them. And it's going to start having an effect on them. Everything. How many of you can say everything? Everything. everything. <sighs> what do you hear? See, we're definitely not going to get through this whole message. But we can give much. We can give much. We can give much. Or, how many of you believe in giving much? I know, I hate when I do that. It's like, it's like oh, you, you tricked us, man. That's not fair. 
I should, have, I should have said the whole sentence for you to answer it. But how many of you believe, yeah, to give much is what you're required? Or, let me word it differently. How many of you believe it's to give it all? It's not about giving much. You answered it wrong. I caught you. I did it on purpose. But it's not about giving much. When it comes to the Lord, it's about giving it all. The, the Lord didn't tell the disciples, hey, um, drop your net, cut a fraction of the net and bring some of the net with you just in case we go fish somewhere. Like, no, he's like, drop your net. Drop everything. Give it all and come and follow me. Matthew, he says, um, put the clothes sign on your tax collector's booth and come and follow me. Every single person, he's like, hey, you have to give it all. This is not about just giving much. This is coming to a place in Christ where it's everything. I know that what my marriage needs, okay, because I'm preaching to me, is not necessarily... Um, um, not necessarily that, I don't know, what can I do? Blame Nancy? Let's do that. Not necessarily that Nancy needs to be get, get better. I know that what my marriage needs is everything needs to be given. Yeah. That's the answer. And that is in every aspect of who I am and of who you are. We, we can give much or we can give it all, everything. So how about this, ready? You're being called to give what you can't afford. Do you know that there is many stories in the Bible, but there is one that we know very well in the scripture that a woman gave what she couldn't afford to give. But she couldn't stand in the house of God and say, I can't, get, I can't, I can't sit here and afford not to give this. See, it all depends where your heart is at. It all depends where the worship of your core is at. When there was a woman and everyone was giving an offering unto the, into the treasury at the temple, and don't think that today I'm going to ask you to give a special love offering and a special tithe today. If you want to give that amen, on your way out there's a black box and you could drop it off. <laughs> or you could get on her app and give it. But for now, one point of this message is about your monetarily giving right now. Though, the reason why you probably struggle to give monetarily is probably because you struggle to give spiritually. The problem, most people that struggle with tithing off, sorry, I should not even got into this. But most people that struggle in giving to people and giving to whatever or to give a tithing offering is because there's something deeper rooted in there. I hope you guys understand that. So here is a woman at the treasury and everyone with big money is dropping in big checks, big checks. I'm going to read it for you now. Big checks, big checks. And this widow comes with what she has. Let's read the story. It says, now Jesus said opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into tre the treasury and many who were rich listen put in much and we all read them like wow praise god you know people are giving much i feel just like i speak this to myself i don't want you to give much to the church or to the lord or to each other I want to get to the place where we give it all unto the Lord. That, that's what I'm saying. So here are these people. We read this like, wow, we could just put a, set, a period there, not even read the rest of this passage and say, this was a good day in the house of the Lord. All the people with big money were coming, and they put in much. Good. The work of the Lord can continue. But it doesn't stop there. It says, then one poor widow came and she threw in two mites which makes a quadrant and look what it says here so he calls his disciples to himself he says oh beautiful door that was just opened <laughs> talking about doors during worship if they're listening to the podcast 
you missed worship, so you'd have no idea what I mean by a door. But a door is opened in Jesus' life right here. And he says, watch this. We're going to walk through this door. And what does he tell them? He says, I say to you, surely, that this poor widow has put in more than all of those who have given to the treasury. Pause for a moment. Imagine being Peter who always has to put his foot in his mouth. And Jesus says that and he says, how in the world can you tell me and us, you think we're dumb? You're messing with us again? You're always messing with us, Lord. Like, you don't think we saw that that person wrote $100,000 and put it in the treasury, and this woman put less than a U.S. cent in that treasury, and you're gonna, you mean to tell me that she's given more? That, come on, you think we're fools? They gave, they gave, they gave a thousand times, a hundred thousand times more than the woman did. There's no way, Lord. You think we're dumb? So he says, this poor widow has put more than those who've given. For they, listen, all put out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. (laughs) If you actually thought that the widow's offering had to do with every time we collect the love offering, we're going to go into this verse, you're so wrong. This whole passage is less about tithe and offering, and it's more about the tithe and offering of your life than it is about the tithe and offering of your money. If you thought that this whole thing was about uh, a guy to come up here and say, today we're going to talk about the widow's two mites, and, that's, and then we're going to collect the love offering. No, it's not. It's about Jesus teaching you, you better give a greater tithe. Remember we preached that here. A, a, a greater offering unto the Lord. And, 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 and he tells She gave from her whole livelihood, from everything she had. The message, Eugene Peterson says it this way. He says, one poor widow came up and put in two small coins. I like this. A measly two cents. He didn't have to do that. Man, you're messing around. Like, that's messed up. A measly two. You could have just said two small coins, man, but a measly two two cents. All the others gave what they'll never miss. What they'll never miss. But she gave extravagantly what she what she couldn't afford. She gave what she couldn't afford. She, what, what, what was her giving what she couldn't afford? It says it next. She gave her all. I believe that the woman's two mites was less about the two mites than it was about I'm giving this Lord because all of me, this poor little widow, all of me belongs to you. And I declare this in the house of the Lord. And she drops it in the treasury. So, you read this and I say, what does this look like in my life? What does this look like in your life? You might say, what does what look like? Well, giving what you can't afford. This woman sat there. Listen, have you ever considered this when you read this story? This woman sat there. Or she was walking around or she had a cane, I don't know. And she saw rich man by 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 rich man man dropping from the abundance. What they would never miss because guess what? When they go back home, they have so much more of it. So it wasn't really a a sacrifice. They're like, "Ah, I'm going to give all of this. But when I get back, I have it all back again. And she's watching everyone give. And then it's her turn. She's like, I'm going to give now. She gets up. And she begins to walk up to the treasury. I wish I had penny on me. She takes out her coin and she drops it in the treasury knowing, shoot, everyone just gave a lot. But this is 
This is all I could afford to give. This is my all. And she, she sits there and she, I'm thinking she thinks about it, you know. And I believe that this woman in her mind, somewhere in there, she probably got to a point where she said, I can't afford to walk out of here and to give God another excuse why I didn't give him what belonged to him in the first place. My whole livelihood. <laughs> How many of you come in and you give something to the treasury here? I'm not talking monetarily. The spiritual treasury. And you live here. You leave here. But today, something's happening within you. And you're saying, I can't afford. I can't afford to leave here again. And to not give what fully belongs to him. I can't afford not to give it all. So, Lord, here's my whole livelihood. And the Lord sits back, sits back and says, she gave more than anyone else. And they said, how? They gave millions in total. And, and he says, right. But she gave her whole life. Her whole life. What she did was, it was a picture of the gospel. Jesus gave his whole livelihood. She's giving her whole livelihood. And she says, everyone here gave, but she gave the way I give. See, we could all give. Again, I'm not talking monetarily. We could all give, but does your giving look like Jesus is giving? Is it with your whole livelihood? Or are we just satisfied with saying, I'm doing the Christian thing. At least I gave a quarter of it to God. Don't ask me for the other 75%. Some of you are doing really good. You're 50% there. I've given 50%. Don't ask me to give 100, God. But can you really sit here today and afford to leave before the presence of God again and decide I won't give to the Lord what fully belongs to him? Doesn't mean you're going to hell. Just don't complain and point at someone else when they're living in a greater glory, encountering greater parts of the kingdom. They're probably giving from a place of livelihood. Are you with me? Give what you can't afford. She gave what's about, when you look it up, it's about one. 16th of a soldier's daily pay. I hope I said that right. Yet the widow's gift prompted Jesus the highest praise. One 16th of a soldier's daily pay. And yet it prompted Jesus to say, she gave the best. Because she gave from my heart. Uh, you break it down some more, it says this. She gave one 128th of a denarius. Watch how insignificant this is on earth. Wow. Watch how insignificant this may seem on earth, but yet has great value in eternity. Ready? She gave one one twenty-eighth of a denarius, which was a day's wage for a labor. So she gave one one hundred twenty-eighth of that which is a day's labor. You do the math of your paycheck. Of a day's labor, and you tell me what one one twenty eighth of that. I'm not good at math, so I would never be able to come up with that number. I don't even know where to begin to put what number where. But for you math guys and girls, 
you figure that stuff out. And then let me know at the end of the service. Or text me inside because it sounds smart in the middle. And just say it. The poor widow gave more than all the rich people. And according to God, as he evaluates in his evaluation, she gave everything she had while the rich people gave from their surplus. Let's not give the Lord from our surplus because of how blessed we may have become. I'm going to end with this, actually, worship team. So, And I'll finish the rest of the message another day. Amen? Let's not give the Lord from our surplus. What, what do I mean by that? Because I have a job. Listen, this is so important that we, that I say this, ready? Because I have a job, because I have children, because I'm able to travel, travel, because I enjoy my hobbies, because you have a job, because you have children maybe, because you're able to travel, because you enjoy your hobbies, wherever you're at. And this is just throwing examples out there. We can't just give everything to the blessings we have and give the Lord what's left over, the surplus, to him. So, I can't say, Lord, I'm, I've been so blessed in my life. How many of you believe you've been so blessed in your life? Lord, I've been so blessed in my life. And because I've been so blessed, I'm going to give you from the leftovers of, of all the blessings that I have, Lord. Like, you deserve this, God. I worked hard this week, Lord. I worked hard. How many of us understand this? Ready? I worked hard this week, Lord. I, I worked really hard this week. This was a tiring week, Lord. I, I worked really hard, Lord, this week, so I, I can't get up to worship. Because you worked hard, that should be the reason why you get up to worship. Because you're able to work hard this week. But our mind is, I worked hard, so I can't get up. Lord, just a little bit. I worked hard, so I just can't get up to worship. I, what a week, Lord. What a blessing this week was, so I can't spend time in your word. What a week this was, God. You kept me busy with so many good things, so I can't just pause in your goodness. Again, I'm speaking to places where I've been, right? Lord, you know my heart. That's my favorite line. Lord, you know my heart. So I'll give you just a little here because I'm tired. I'll give you a little here because I'm busy. I'll give you a little here because I have the kids and I got to go do things with the kids, you know. I'll give you a little here because there's work, you know, work and there's work and there's things I have to finish. And instead, we don't have a different mindset and say, wait a minute, because of all those things, I'm going to give you a lot. I'm going to give you more. I can't afford to live like that anymore. I can't afford to grab the blessings of the Lord and give the Lord my crumbs. If the Lord has filled my table with meat and bread and wine, then I got to give thanks to the Lord. And I got to give honor and praise to the Lord. We can't afford not to give it all to him yet again. What are we as a church, what are you personally putting into the treasury? It says, many who were rich put in much. Thank you for putting in much if you've put in much. But I want you to know, do you know that there's so much more for you if you move past putting much? Seriously, what pastor would tell you, stop putting in much? Do you know that there's so much more than just putting in much? 
Then he goes on, he says, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had. God doesn't want your much. He's not even impressed with your much. Thank you for doing so good with your life. Pat yourself in the shoulder, make yourself a plaque, put it up on your wall. Congratulations, you've done good and you have much. But God is not impressed with our much. God is moved when we give our all. Hopefully that touched your heart right there. Don't give him much. Give him all. Give him all. Give him all. Have we become so rich, myself, that my giving has become so poor? Wow. Have I become so rich that my giving has become so poor? You know, you pray for your wife, he gives you your wife, and then you complain about your wife. <laughs> you pray for your children, he gives you the children, and you complain about your children. I'm not saying this is you. He gives you the house, you pray for your house, he gives you the house, then you complain about your house. And what happened to us is we've become lukewarm. And we haven't paused to say, holy cow, I'm so rich that my, poor, my, my giving has become so much poor. Because I'm so rich, my giving should be all of me. I can't afford to live like this again. Have all things become poor in comparison to the riches in giving yourself fully to the Lord. If you have ears, I hope you hear this today. Your whole livelihood, everything. So today we're challenged with this, to give what we can't afford. To give what we can't afford. I'm going to pause there today. I feel like God has spoken, amen? Sometimes we do an altar call and we put so much power in an altar call. And we say, come up to the altar if you need to ask for forgiveness. Come up to the altar if you need healing. Come up to the altar if this message was for you. I want to end with Actually, this song right here. Thank you for choosing this song, actually. It's, I was actually going to start singing it before the, the piano started playing. Can we sing this song? But I guess God spoke to you where he's speaking the same lines. But today, instead of an altar call of if you need something, come up here. This is a different kind of, if you want to even call it an altar call. It's not an altar call. But it's, uh, it's one of my favorite I think, I don't even know who said this. I want to say it's a preacher that I, that I admire. He says, it's an altered call. 
if your life has been altered. So I'm going to do a calling to worship for a moment. You're going to have to release whatever needs to be released. You need to give what you can't afford today. That's between you and God. No hand, no prayer can do that. It's between you and God. But I want to do a, an, an, an altered call. I want to do an altar call for the ones who can say, yeah, yeah, I'm living in the everything. My life has been altered. So this is what I would like to do. I would, I would like to worship and call the lives who have been altered to come and let's worship together. Let's come and let's worship together. And if your life has not been right there in the altar of your heart, make that decision. You're welcome to come up as well, but make that decision. But let's end this service saying, Lord, here I am. I'm a life that has been wrecked by you. Here I am. I'm like the poor widow. I give you from my livelihood. Here I am. Here I am, Lord. I'm giving yet again everything, Lord. I can't afford. I'm giving what I can't afford. I can't afford yet this yet again. It's all here, Lord. I want to have an altered life. Now my life would be rearranged. So here, here it is, Lord. I'm, I'm here, Lord. And if you're up here, it's because you're giving the greater worship. You're giving... You understand this revelation of, man, here's my whole livelihood in worship. Here's my whole livelihood. Let the rumbling of my voice be heard in glory. Lord, receive this offering. Receive this praise. Receive this honor as we worship you here together and as we honor your name. I drop this off at the treasury. Come on, as we worship him, drop off your offering at the treasury. Drop off your praise at the treasury. Drop off, drop off your worship at the treasury and say, Lord, I, I sing it from my whole livelihood. I sing it from my whole being. Here it is, all of me. Come on, let's worship him.